Hi, Mama Docs. It's Laura. I am bringing you Season 3, Episode 19 of the Power Mama Docs podcast. I am so excited to bring you this conversation with Dr. Sarah Hawk, who is an emergency medicine physician in Chicago, Illinois. She's part of the Chicago contingent of the Mama Docs. Um, She is a busy mom of two beautiful kids and we talk all about her running journey uh just being part of an academic medical center how covid sort of played out in her neck of the woods and maybe if you listen all the way to the end she has an exciting announcement to make in this podcast so i know just hold your breath actually don't hold your breath you're probably running right now um (laughs) and um, just get excited, get pumped um, for your run and for your this conversation with Dr. Sarah Hawk. Hello. Hey. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh my gosh, it's working. Yay. Awesome. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for making time for me. Absolutely. I was like, oh, me? <laughs> yes, of course. Um, you, did you just run? Did you just come back? Yes, I just came back. Is it sweltering um, in Chicago or is it nice? And sunny. So it's pretty hot, um, but it's only like 78 in Chicago. I know it's much hotter in other places. Yeah, so. I don't know. We have like a heat wave going on, but um, it's June. It like, it got summer all of, all of a sudden. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I want to introduce you. You do you go by Hawk? Um, I do professionally. Okay. Yeah. So you are Dr. Sarah Hawk, and you live in Chicago. You're one of our Chicago Mama Docs. Woohoo, yep. Chicago! And um, you are in emergency medicine. Is that right? Yes. And I did some digging. I went through your whole your Facebook page. Um, it's, it seems like you spent a lot of your whole life in Michigan. Is that right? Yeah, a lot of, like, high school and college were Michigan. So that's basically, like, where I call home. Yeah. Um, but my family, my dad still lives in Kalamazoo, but that was after being in Illinois for a while, so. Okay, got it. And you did your residency also in Chicago. And yes. Are you? And then I got yeah, stuck in Chicago. You got you got stuck in Chicago, which is great. It's a beautiful it's okay city. place to get stuck, yeah. Yeah, it has good running. It has a flat marathon. Like, it's all good there. I know. It's really hard, though, to go run somewhere else after training in Chicago because you're like, what is this thing? This is a hill. <laughs> so, so, like, Atlanta, the half marathon. I was, like, swearing at the locals, like, you have too many hills in this place. Um, but it's probably just, like, a regular half marathon in terms of hills. So Right, right. You're like, who put this hill here? Who thought of this? This is exactly. terrible. Yeah. Yeah, so we're very like spoiled and also undertrained for hills. That's okay. Um, training, what's that? That's not a thing. You just run. That's fine. Exactly. <laughs> um, I guess since we're talking about running, we'll continue. What are you? I mean, post. I don't want to say post pandemic because we'll go back and talk about that. But things are opening up. Are you training for anything right now, Sarah? Not really. I did a ten k recently. But I haven't like 
looked ahead and like gotten excited about a thing. So right now I'm still just kind of training for life. Yeah, good. We like that. Yeah. Um, how did you get into running, especially with all like the training and studying and doctoring and mothering? Right. Um, <laughs> I got into did- running way before the doctoring and mothering part started. So I got into running um, when my family moved after my sixth grade, some sometime in, oh, like right after freshman year of high school, we moved to Michigan. And I knew no one and my sisters were driving me bananas and I was like, I'm going outside and I'm going to go in a circle and see how that happens. And so I ran half a mile and then mm. I, I got up to like two miles and then my mom was like, do you want to join the cross country team? I'm like, what the heck is that? Um, and it turned out to be an excellent supportive cult um, in high school and then I just have been a runner ever since. Um, and I did three marathons that I'm thinking I might still like all enablers. So it's possible there might be another marathon. I did three marathons in medical school, um, which was actually really stupid because that was the last time I actually had weekends to myself and I used training. Uh, So if I had to go back, I'd be like, don't use your weekends for training um, and like go have fun. But um, now I know. Um, And I haven't, I really had time to train for like long things. I feel like um, because when I leave the house to go for like a, a nine or a 10 on a weekend morning, my husband's like, okay, when are you going to be back? Uh, so there's a, there's a trade off there, but, um, for now with little ones, I think like a half marathon is probably good. Wow. You did three marathons in medical school. That's wow. That's a probably lot. the worst one was during third year because the next day I was on my surgery rotation, like trying to hold the the camera for the laparoscopic, like cholecystectomy or whatever it was I was watching. Um, and I was like, my legs were dead. Um, so that was maybe not the best decision ever, but, um, I did it. Wow. Did you have like medical school friends that like did it with you? No, it was just me. I was wow. just a little bit crazy. And well, my best friend surprised me she was training for a physical therapy school in St. Louis. And I told her I was training for the marathon. It was my first one. Um, and so she like, unbeknownst to me, was training for the marathon in St. Louis. And then she came to do a physical therapy rotation in Chicago. And she's like, oh, I've been training this whole time. And I was like, oh, that's news. <laughs> so we ran our first marathon together. Oh, um, wow. So, so cool. that was fun. Which marathons did you do? It was Chicago all three times. I didn't like have my act together to travel or think that traveling to marathons was a thing in medical school. So um, I just did Chicago. No, that makes sense. You have a fantastic marathon. I have very good memories of the Chicago marathon and it's nice and flat. It can be a little hot if there's no shade. That's one thing. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe they need to fix that. But other than that, it's a pretty, and it can be windy too, right? Like, yes. Yeah, but Um, in the 20s, there's, like, a lot of places where there's no shade, and that's horrible. Yeah, but it's okay. We we (laughs) runners like to complain about everything, so it's fine. (laughs) So then tell me, you went to medical school. You were running. Did you meet your husband sometime in that time, or were you guys already together? No, so I met my husband um, because – during third year of medical school, with all of my free time, I decided to sign up for a co-ed soccer team because one of my med school colleagues was like, oh, hey, like I'm on a soccer team. They're offering a discount to women to join the co-ed teams. 
I was like, whatever. I just finished. It was right after I finished that marathon that year. And I was like, whatever, you know, I'll join a soccer team. So I show up the first day and there's this dude that got there really early because he likes to stretch. And I'm like, who gets to soccer? <sighs> like, rack soccer early because they like to get him sideways. I'm like, oh, actually, it's kind of cute. I'm just going to watch. And so that's how I met my husband. Um, I thought he was cute and he did it. He got to the game early um, to stretch. And he still does that at soccer games now. He stopped playing for a while because of the pandemic. Um, but he still plays. Um, and we like, I had no experience at that time. And so I like wiped out on the soccer field multiple times and he came over and helped me up and like told me I was being stupid about things. Um, and so he was like my informal, like joke coach, um, had a fun time and got to know each other that way. Oh, very romantic. And it sounds like he probably doesn't get hurt because he stretches. Like if he was a good runner, he'd probably do his like, you know, pre prehab really well. No, he legitimately gets hurt all the time. Ah. <laughs> so, and, but it's like, I think it's like man cold hurt. Like mm. he's like, Oh, my leg's hurting. I don't know if I can go for a run with you today. And I'm like, um, just go for a run and stop complaining about it. Um, because he gets like kicked or whatever when he's, being aggressive with the mm-hmm. soccer ball. I don't know. Um, he somehow gets kicked multiple times when he plays. And then he's always complaining about something. But I'm like, I don't know, babe. You're walking around just fine. I don't think it's broken. <laughs> Move along. So, <laughs> what, is, what does he do? He's a chemistry oh, professor um, in Chicago at Illinois Tech. Cool. He's yeah. a smarty pants. Yeah, we're a bunch of nerds in my house. Like my kid the other day, like we have our um, – um, pathologic basis of disease like see, she's five she's too big for a booster seat but she wants something to sit on so she doesn't make her legs fall asleep while she's sitting on them and um, so she was sitting on this book because it's big and then she's like mom I'm going to read this book and I'm like okay honey and then she's sitting there like reading about the esophagus and I'm like child you're five um, so oh that's very sweet maybe yeah. she will follow in your footsteps yeah, our whole house is nerds. It's um, inevitable. I love it. Yeah, I love it. My kids are very nerdy. So tell me, you have two kids. Two kids. Um, a girl and a boy. Yep. Ellen, and I couldn't find your son's name somewhere. Yeah, but... well, other people like do a better job of not putting their kid's name all over the internet. And I was like, oh, maybe I should start that. But I didn't start until after the after Simon was born. He's the second one. Um, so. Simon. Got it. And you had them during... Um, residency or, or after training? Um, right after training. Um, Ellen was born six months into my simulation fellowship um, at Rush. And then Simon was born two and a half years later. Oh, great. And so. it looks like you never left Rush. Is that where you were? Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm still at Rush having a good time um, and doing a bunch of simulations. So in medical college and, and in the residency for emergency medicine. Um, is where all of that teaching happens. So cool. Cool. How, so tell me about work. Like, um, how much do you do clinically? It sounds like you do a lot for them academically and sort of administratively too. Yes. Yeah. So clinically I'm about 50% now. Um, and then there's a piece, a piece of my time dedicated to faculty simulation so I organize a couple of faculty workshops every year um, for procedures and 
stuff and training. Um, and then I oversee our simulation fellowship at Rush. Um, so we have one fellow a year that's usually an emergency medicine graduate learning how to do simulation because um, pretty much every emergency medicine residency has someone who knows a fair amount about how to do simulation now. So there are fellowships that are, that we have one of them. So um, I'm the fellowship director for that. Hello. Sarah? I'm here. Oh, you're cutting in and out, but um, go ahead. You said you had the simulation fellowship and then. Yes. um, I had the simulation fellowship at Rush. We have one fellow a year. Um, and then I also head up the um, residency simulation program. So that's um, two sessions a month, about three hours each of like brand new sim, high fidelity um, mannequin that breathes and has heart sounds and things. Um, so that is um, kind of the stuff that I do. Cool. For the, and that's for I the do. emergency department. And then I for the medical college, like the third year medical students all have OSCEs throughout the year. So I wrote all of the OSCEs that our third years take. There's seven of them. They each have three cases. And so it's a lot of like putting things together and um, really like trying to parse out clinical reasoning and how that works at the medical wow. student like learning level. So cool. is that in the medical school, like all different um, areas like surgery and, or is it and gynecology or is it just emergency medicine you're doing for them? Um, it's just, it's all, um, all specialties. So I, I have contacts in the, in each clerkship, gynecology, surgery, and I'm like, Hey, I wrote you this case. Um, can you make sure this is accurate for your specialty? Um, right. You know, cause I have a lot of like generalized knowledge due to all of the patients that come through the ED and all the consultations we do. Um, but I am not a specialist in any of those things. And so having um, the clerkship directors there to kind of steer me towards the right thing is very helpful. Cool. That is really cool. And so how many shifts a week does that kind of turn into like clinical shifts? It's about two shifts a week. And I do night shifts um, because I found that I kept switching my shifts into night shifts. (laughs) And like <laughs> trying to finagle my schedule. So I was home like in the evening for dinner and bedtime for the kids. And I'm like, I keep messing with my schedule every time it comes out. Like night shift docs get to pick their schedule. So I pretty much work Sunday night shift and Thursday night shift. And um, that has made like home life a lot more stable. Um, yeah. Just that I'm actually home and I do, you know, I have to go to sleep early before those shifts to get enough of a nap. Um, but I still get to see the kids and I still like, I don't know, I'm here, we do dinner together. Um, so it's been a lot nicer to be on nights. Yeah. But you do sleep afterwards, right? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Three and a half hours is ideal. Um, I can get by on two and a half after I come home. Yeah. So. But still not, a, I mean, I guess you're just, you're constantly trying to switch your schedule then. Cause then on Monday night, you want to go to sleep at a normal time too. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's probably not that healthy for me. Um, but um, as far, I mean, you still switch your schedule in emergency medicine. Like if I did an evening shift and I didn't get home till 1am, like that's 
right. not all that different or the, the shift that gets out at 3 a.m. That was the most ridiculous one. So then the kids are up at 630 and you're like, oh, great. I got two hours of sleep. Right. So, so what time do you get home on a night shift? I usually get home at eight or nine in the morning. Okay. And are the kids home or because who is watching your because they are they're young. They're like, yes. Yeah. I want to say what four or five and like. Yeah. Ellen's five and Simon's two. So okay. um, we had a nanny for most of the pandemic, but we were a daycare family before that. So we like didn't figure out the nanny thing very well. Slash we weren't sure if it was a long term thing. Um, and then our nanny kind of hit our last nerve a couple weeks ago and we were like and we're going back to daycare mm. um so yeah we we switched and the kids have, they're they're on day three of daycare which is why my house is quiet today wow um, yeah and my five-year-old loves it um she she was more excited than we were that she was going back and then the two-year-old wasn't sure um, but this morning he's like, I love daycare. And I'm like, okay, great. We're three days in. This is perfect. Awesome. So the plan is every day, all every day. day, all day. And that lets me sleep. It lets me run. It lets me do all of the admin meetings and things. Um, because my husband is basically like, if he has his way about it, he leaves the house at seven 30 and comes back at six ish every day. Um, to do like academic research stuff and teaching. And so unless I got childcare for that time, it would be on me, um, which it was when we had the nanny and he started going back to work um, on site instead of at home. And so that was um, a challenging transition where I was like, oh, okay, a lot less time um, is mine. So yeah, yeah, sounds sounds like a lot. But, um, you know, you like everyone else, we're like, figuring it all, oh, <laughs> all out. Yeah. The whole time, just figuring out like what to do next. <laughs> What's yes. the ne- like my kids are very into Frozen. Um, so the song, the next, the next right thing um, was very big through the pandemic. Mm. <laughs> very insightful there. Exactly. <laughs> so how did. Oh, I missed you for a second. I'm what married uh, someone in emergency medicine. Can you, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, and so I saw through him and through my hospital, how the pandemic and the beginning of the pandemic sort of played out in New York city. Um, yes. How did it, how did Chicago, um, get hit? Um, Hello. Three days. Oh, oh no. Yeah. I you're just cutting it in and out now. But I can I can hear you. I can hear you. Go. Okay. So Chicago, I think, learned from New York City like four days earlier than <laughs> disaster. Um, so I think we pretty narrowly averted um being really bad in the beginning. Um and then it was it just felt really steady, even through the summer. In the fall, like no matter if it was a peak or not a peak, it just felt steady. Um, and, you know, until we got vaccinated, it was very like every time I go to work, I'm going into this risky place. And it was not like very reassuring <laughs> in any way. Um, I'm one of the only people that I work with that 
has worn an N95 on every shift the whole time. Um, even now, I still do because I think it's airborne and I feel like it's been accurately reported that way. And I'm like, fine. Um, I don't know who's going to have COVID. Yeah. Um, so, um, but everybody else is very like, oh, well, now cool. I'm like, you can still get it. <laughs> so. My husband wears an N95 on every shift. He's very careful. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, and my hospital is trying to be like, oh, all you need is a surgical mask. And I'm like, actually, I don't believe you. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's any downside. You're the one wearing the mask. Why should it bother anyone else if you're wearing an N95 mask? Exactly. Well, everybody kind of got used to me doing it. So it worked yeah. out. Okay. Um. And then when it all happened and everyone shut down, I'm assuming your husband, you know, his school shut down or they went remote and all that kind of stuff. Then what, yes. what happened? And the kids like stopped going to school. Right. Right. Yeah. So we were like all home trying to figure out what the heck to do. Um, yeah. But right at the beginning, like right when the kids had their last day of daycare, probably Immediately after that, I got a call from this place where I'm night, and they were like, you were exposed to a patient that ended up being diagnosed with COVID. And I knew that the patient probably had COVID. Um, it was the community spread. Chicago. Yeah. Um, and the paramedics and the nurses and everybody and the ICU doc, everybody was like, this isn't COVID. I'm like, I don't know. You look at the lungs. You look, listen to this story. Like, whatever. I don't believe. I only had, like, one-sided glasses. I didn't have, like, considered me exposed, and I had to yeah. quarantine. Do you remember what, like, what date that was? Like, when that was exactly? The patient came in on March 9th, and then huh. they tested him on, like, the 10th and then called me on the 14th, I think. And so then I had to quarantine starting on the 14th until I don't even remember how it was a long time. Um, and I was That's like, so seriously, funny like, that they were so yeah. strict at that time. Well, they even were, though. yeah, they were thinking that they would be able to not get communities, but I don't really know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but there were a bunch of us that got quarantined. Um, like at my hospital and then at this hospital I moonlight for, um, and we were supposed to be going on a week long trip. So I didn't actually miss any shifts, but I did get like fever and cough and feeling horrible. And I'm like, I have COVID. This is the worst. Um, and so I was in this tiny room, which I'm actually sitting in right now. Um, and like isolated from my family. So like my two year old's like knocking on the door, like mommy. And I'm like, I can't come out and say hi. And it was like Aww. really horrible for like four days. Um, and then Did you ever get tested? I got tested and then I was negative. Um, and so we don't. And then I had antibodies tested because I donated blood and those were negative too. So I apparently didn't have COVID. That's so weird. I know. I not have had COVID. That's weird. Right. Right. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I wore my N95. I even wore a gown or at least I don't know all of what happened but I was more protected than usual 
during oh, that. Oh, when you when you saw that patient, you were wearing an N95 and a gown. I was because I was like, oh. yeah. As soon as I heard the EMS report, I'm like, this could be COVID. I'm putting out an N95. Uh, so I don't know. You know, at that time, we thought like COVID. You we didn't know necessarily like that all these measures were going to work anyway, because there are so many reports, conflicting reports from China, like you could do everything and put an N95 and still get it and all this stuff. So exactly. I don't know. Ugh, that must yeah. have been scary, though. Yeah, it was it was mostly just like heartbreaking to not be the kids and also not want to be near them because I didn't want to be a risk to them. Yeah. So yeah. then you just felt better. And then it felt negative, like I so tested negative. And then once I tested negative, I was like, I'm not quarantining for my family anymore. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So how did the rest of that month go? Like, you know, you just saw cases, you know, pile on and. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And we just like took care of them the best we could and admitted them or didn't. And, um, you know, I worked my shifts and I wasn't really able to do much else because you know, my husband would cover, like, watch the kids while I was sleeping. And then he had to wake up and like do stuff. Or I had to wake up so he could do stuff. And then on the days I wasn't working, then we kind of split the day. Then finally, we admitted we needed help. So we hired a high school kid for like 25 hours a week, which was not enough. Mm. Um, And then finally, I think by September, that's when we ended up doing a full time nanny. Got it. So but that was a long summer. That is a really long time. This yeah. is a really good time. Um, Sarah, we're going to end this and then jump back on. So anyone doing an out and back, turn around. <laughs> All right. Bye. Hello. Hello. Yay, we're back. Yes. Um, you were saying you finally found a full-time nanny because was daycare like not an option at that point or you had thought about it and it just didn't mm-hmm. seem safe to you? Yeah, we just didn't feel comfortable and we wanted um, like consistency so that we didn't have to worry like every day are the kids going to get kicked out of daycare for having a sniffle for two right. weeks and then we have to go get COVID tested. You know, like it yeah. just felt very and and I I didn't feel like it was particularly safe for them to be going into a bubble of like 60 families or however many kids that were there. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know what, if we can find a single nanny who has a small bubble, then then I just felt better about it. Right. Um, and so. what, what did your husband's work, because he's a professor, I'm assuming they decided to do some like online classes or something like that. Yeah, they did remote classes for a while. And then in the fall, they had the, the option, which wasn't really an option of doing remote only or doing hybrid where they had some students in class and some students remote. So I think with the sciences, it's so hard. I don't know if he does labs, but how do you do like chemistry lab? Like, yeah, (laughs) I didn't even ask details because whatever, like I I can't help with the situation. Whatever was happening was going to be happening. Right. Like, yeah. So So was he mostly home as well? Like with the kids? Yes. So we (laughs) tried to teach. So we set up two different workstations. One is in our bedroom still, and then one is in our office slash the quarantine room slash the the shower decon after coming home from shifts. Um, So, and then we just, we could close the doors on both places and have the kids give, 
give them the roam of the rest of the house, which right. ended up working the best for us. But yeah. did you decon like every time you came home? Every time, still do. You I'm still like, do. Why? Well, so why do didn't do? I used to take a? Well, it's just like I change out of my scrubs at work and then put the scrubs in the scrub machine and wear different clothes home, and then those clothes get sequestered, and then I take a shower. So it's not the worst thing. Yeah. No, um, that makes sense. I mean, not only COVID, there's other nasty things in the right. ER that you don't want. I feel to like it would have been reasonable. It would have been reasonable to do this like the whole time I've been working. I just didn't always. Right. So. So, and then I'm sure in Chicago, the pandemic probably, it got better, you know, where during the summer and the fall, and then it ramped up again, I'm guessing in like December and January. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it definitely got worse, but then we had like kind of that ray of hope of, oh, we might get vaccinated really soon. Um, so like everybody was pretty hopeful about that. And then the vaccines were really looking like they were working well. And so I think, you know, the first shift after being vaccinated, going back in was like, oh, yeah, it's not, it doesn't feel like I'm going to such a risky job anymore. I mean, hello, mental chain. Mm-hmm. Could you repeat what you just said? You cut out oh, for a second. Yeah, just that it was a big mental shift to be able to go back vaccinated to work. Yeah. So how did you, I mean, it was stressful, obviously, during this whole time, like in a manageable or totally unmanageable way, you think? I mean, manageable, but like other things didn't necessarily happen much. (laughs) Like I didn't talk to that many other people because at first no one wanted to like spend time because (laughs) I was the risky one. Right. Um, And they didn't necessarily want to see me let my mother-in-law come over because I'm like, well, I, um, and then like once we had been careful for, so the kids safe from whatever long-term shenanigans, then we were like, well, we want to make sure other people are being this safe too. And then it was just like, until, um, vaccination was widely, available it was really hard to figure out how to interact with other humans yes I get it it's so stressful um so I'm guessing now your husband is even vaccinated yes yeah he got vaccinated with like the college professors in like I don't know 1b or something yeah um and your extended family hopefully are all vaccinated now. So do you like spend time with other people now? Yes. Yeah. We, we let my mother-in-law back into our, our, um, bubble. Um, she lives 20 minutes away now. And like, she just moved here before the pandemic happened. And then I was like, Oh, you can't see the grandkids except outside wearing a mask. Um, which I did a whole bunch of, um, but it was still hard for her. Um, Yeah. We actually just got back from a vacation. Oh, it started. Oh, where did you, where'd you go? We went to, um, my grandfather lives in Ohio and he is 97. <gasps> wow. A retired physician. Um, into. Yeah. Um, so. Did you fly there or you drove there? We drove. Um. It's five hours to Cleveland. 
um, we went on from there. But we just got, he's hard of hearing, so we got like. Hello. We are going to be wearing our masks. Thank you very yes. much. Yes. Um, Did he get vaccinated? No. Um, be, uh, for reasons. Um, so I don't know. Um, for, for what reasons? For his, his reasons? Yeah. He, he got into like later in his medical career, he kind of got on the vaccines and autism bandwagon and like never got off. Um, so he's going to get autism by getting, <laughs> I, well, right. So I just don't have those conversations with him, but I was aware that he wasn't going to get vaccinated because my aunt told me. So he's got it. I think the person it's just yeah. that one thing <laughs> drives me bananas. Well, we all have those people in our lives. So right. Right. I, <laughs> I relate. There are definitely, you know, a sprinkling of people in my life that for whatever reason, they say they're not getting vaccinated, but you just got to let it go. Yeah. Well, so from Ohio, and then we continued to Pennsylvania, where my husband's yeah. family is from. Um, and we saw his grandmother, who's like 94, um, and his dad and, and aunt. Um, so we, we all stayed in the Poconos at this little resort, and it was nice and calm and there weren't that many people there because it was the weekdays so it was actually kind of vacation like oh nice yeah the Poconos is actually that's not that far from us it's like an hour and a half or so exactly yeah so it's we we stayed at a lovely little resort so great was there any running involved in all these travels there I ran a little bit at the resort there was like a two mile trail around the outside. So I did that. And then like, I wanted to see the other cabins at the resort. So I like ran on all the different roads to be like, what cabin do you have? What does your <laughs> cabin look like? Oh, ours is the best. Good job. Right. Um, so, yeah. Very cool. So that was what last week? Yes. Yeah. We just got back from that. So how long is the drive from, did you just go straight from the Poconos back to Chicago? That's oh my long. gosh. It was amazingly long and the kids did amazingly well. And we were like, we're so lucky. <laughs> well, we're also never doing this again. So it was 11 hours Woo. and we made three stops. Um, yeah. I don't know if my kids, I mean, my kids are older. They, I mean, they're like teenagers. I don't know if they could do that. <laughs> right. No, I was like, this is creepy, like creepy good. Um, we only had like some crying in the last hour and a half. And I was like, this is, you know, like totally understandable child yeah wow that's amazing I mean most of it's like Pennsylvania you're like I'm still in Pennsylvania we're still in Pennsylvania (laughs) yes well so my five-year-old um knows a little bit about maps and things so we were in Ohio and and we're like tomorrow we're going to Pennsylvania she's like oh great how long is the drive we were like six she's like but Pennsylvania is right next to Ohio mom yeah very very long so yeah we had to explain like the dimensions of states and things like it's very very long long big states yes yes amazing so was it did you like dine out i guess you were on a resort and stuff like that yeah our place had a kitchen so we just grilled um basically every night we grilled and then one night it was kind of raining so we made salmon in the oven nice yeah 
how are you re-acclimating to like how Chicago like New York is very conservative so people are still wearing masks on the street I'm sure more than half of the people walking around are vaccinated because like we have PTSD here and most people are unless they have like some weird you know thought or stance on it Um, and then indoors even when there are signs that say you know it's mask optional for vaccinated people. Like say, for example, at Starbucks, like most people are still wearing. (laughs) Yeah. I have to say, I have not been indoors that many places um, since that changed partly because we were on vacation. Um, But it, most people ditched the masks outdoors in Chicago. Um, Like immediately they were like, Oh, I don't need this. Great. Um, indoors, I don't, I mean, we only stopped indoors, like when we were traveling in, in Indiana and Ohio, like 5% of people indoors are wearing masks. I'm like, y'all are not vaccinated. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, my husband and I have N95s cause we found them on Amazon once they started selling them. So we just wear those when we go inside places, mm. um, presuming that in a, relatively busy place somebody might have COVID still um so our masks and then we only really go grocery shopping like once a week so that's like the hello um you know start going back inside but I'm I'm not in a hurry yeah well I think it's really, you know, hot or nice outside. So it makes sense. We're doing a lot of things outside, but I'm just like watching everyone to figure out what they're going to do. Like some people are, you know, have been indoor dining this whole time and other people have been like, I don't know if I want to eat inside without a mask. Um, Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the camp that we're in. We're just, you know, the kids aren't vaccinated and they won't be for months. So, you know, even if we got it, it wouldn't be bad for us because we're vaccinated, but it could be bad for them. So um, we're just trying to be basically as careful as we were, which is annoying, but (laughs) it is annoying. But, you know, I mean, I think emergency medicine or anyone who is around the hospital really knows what COVID can do and how terrible this pandemic was. And so why would we want to contribute to that or invite it into our house? It's worth the discomfort quote unquote of wearing a mask here and there. So (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Um, Do you have summer plans for the kids? Like, is it, are you guys going on an extended vacation and are you ever going to get on a plane? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, we're not getting on a plane with the kids anytime soon. Um, and I don't know, we might get on a plane once the kids are vaccinated, but it's, it'll be a timing question too. Um, this summer we're just kind of doing some camping and there's a couple of, um, cool rentals we found last summer when we were just like bouncing around for a little bit of getaway time. Um, that I was actually like, actually, that was a great place. We're going back. Um, So we're going back to two of those and we're going on three camping trips and we're mostly just sticking to weekend stuff. Um, My husband's significantly better at relaxing on the weekends because during the weekday, he like gets emails. He's like, oh my gosh, I have to reply to this. I'm like, no, actually you could, you could just put on an auto reply and 
they'll have <laughs> and to deal with it. <laughs> right? <laughs> and they'll have to deal with it. But he's not so good at that. So if I focus on weekends, it's a little easier to um, have a relaxing time myself as well. So no, it sounds good. Sounds like we're like on the same sort of level. We have not gotten on a plane. We are probably won't for a while. And um, yeah, my, my husband especially is very wary of travel. And, yes. you know, and he's like, these people did not get vaccinated. He always walks into his door. He's like, yeah, it's like 95% of these people are lying. They're not. They're not they're exactly. Not that's what I'm saying. I'm like, that's, you know, you just have a really easy way to lie to the world. So. I mean, you know, we'll see. There's no pressing issue to get on a plane right now. So um, so we'll see. We're just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, is the daycare, has the daycare had breakouts during the year? Have you asked them? Like, how did they, that go? I mean, we mostly asked friends because I didn't know what the daycare would even say if I asked them that. Um, so because we knew people that had been at the daycare um, and still were going. And they're like, yeah, it's been really good. Nobody's gotten sick. And I guess they closed one of the rooms for a week or two or something because somebody had an exposure outside of daycare. Or I don't know the details, but they had like one or two closures over the course of being open for basically the year. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not bad. And then the instructors now are all vaccinated. So that was the thing that made me, you know, when they... They basically contacted us. We're like, oh, we have space for your kids if you guys want to come back. And I'm like, that's a weird thing for a daycare to say. But actually, we do want to come back. <laughs> so that's, I mean, it's good. It's a kids need other kids. That's the thing. They do. And, you know, my daughter's starting kindergarten in the fall. Um, and I was like, oh, she hasn't been interacting with any kids for a long time. This is going to be horrible. Um, and then, you know, I signed her up for a couple of camps for the summer and I was like, well, she'll get interaction there. And then we decided to go back to daycare and I'm like, this will be much better. Yeah, no, it's good. Kids are, you know, they need to see other kids, not on FaceTime, not on zoom or whatever. They need to like play with them. So that's great. Yeah. Is your two-year-old a good mask wearer? He's awesome. He's just like, oh, this thing's on my face. Cool. Good. Yeah. That can be an issue for the little ones. So that's a, that's good. Yeah. It took us a couple months to get him like trained, but then he just knew when you go outside, you wear a mask. Okay, cool. Right. I was like, yeah, you can train kids to do that. Like they wear their underwear. Like, you know, <laughs> we have to train them to do things like wear pieces of clothing. So exactly. That's, that's awesome. Um, what about running? Like, do you have any, I don't know, long-term goals? You're going to get, I know it sounds like you're going to do half marathons for a little bit, but do you want to get back to the marathon at some point? Uh, maybe like when my kids are doing that thing that other people talk about, which is like sleeping in and not noticing that you're gone for your run. Right. <laughs> I hear that as kids get older, they might do that on the weekends. Um, yeah. And so if that starts happening at my house, I might start like doing longer stuff. Um, yeah. I, I have a complicated relationship with trails because I really like trail running, but I also um, like re-injured my meniscus and needed surgery for um, going running too soon after my son was born on the trails. Mm. Mm. So um, I know I have to kind of be careful, but also just make sure I gain strength enough, you know, (laughs) to do trail stuff. Um, But I could maybe see myself doing like a 
trail marathon that's more for like the experience than maybe like a time I do very not well with being like I'm just gonna run it for fun unless it's a trail that's impossible to run for a really good time so so I think that might be in the future I, I wanted to do a Ragnar and I was going to be doing a Ragnar um before I injured my knee um and so I had to bail on the mom docs that were organizing that um which I still feel bad about <laughs> but which Ragnar is that? It was, um, I think it was Mount Rainier. Um, I don't know how to say that the right way, yeah. but that one. Um, it was a trail Ragnar, and I was like, so excited. And then I had to bail like many months before, and I'm sure they found somebody to take my place and whatnot. But um, it was still a bummer. Did, so did you say you actually got surgery for it? So I, I first tore my ACL in married so I had surgery six weeks before the wedding and then I was wearing my like fancy ACL brace um during the the wedding wedding. at the wedding wow um but you know you have like a big dress so like it was fine um and then um on our honeymoon we went to Greece and I was just doing my like theraband physical therapy on the beach in Greece and it was whatever like yeah this is fine um so yeah, but then I retore it in 20. So Simon was born in 2018, and I retore it like somewhere around like March, April, May. No, that's a lie. Oh, no, he was born in July. And then I retore it in like at, at a, a November ish trail race and had surgery in January of 2019 for my Got meniscus. It. So, Got it. yeah. And then 2020 happened. <laughs> and then 2020 happened. Right. So, yeah. Um, Do you feel like a hundred percent better from that surgery though now yeah I'm back to normal and then I did a bunch of strength training because my power of two buddy was very um on top of her stuff so I was like dang it I gotta keep mine up mine was strength training who's Um, your power of two buddy let's give a shout um it's Lisette um who's Elrod Cab on Facebook um good job (laughs) so so she inspired me to do my strength training um, and so I kind of came out of March feeling like pretty strong, which is good. Good. We, you know, I love my strength training, so yes. I love to hear it. It's good for injury prevention, makes you faster. Yeah. Gives you good endurance. So yeah. good job. Yeah. Do you have any in-person races um, booked? Well, I, I don't. Um, and this was the thing that I was mentioning I had to delay our, our interview a couple of weeks um, because I was working on something. <laughs> so the reason I don't have races um, scheduled is because I'm pregnant with number three. <gasps> I did, did you tell everyone this? I did not. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Congratulations, so, Sarah. Thank you. Um so yes, hello, Power Mama Docs. Yes, I am um, expecting number three. Now, many of them already know that I've been thinking about it because basically every Mama Doc that has talked about having three kids, I have talked to on you Facebook. You didn't talk Messenger. to me because I would have immediately told you. Well, you probably hear all the podcasts, but like, have more kids. Yes, I no, I had well, had four. Have another one. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I have. I had that perspective pretty down from the podcast. I think I, I don't know. 
Um, but it was more of like a question. Like I contacted like five people just out of the blue. I was like, can my husband talk to your husband? <laughs> because we went, you know, we went through a big, like, are we going to type of thing? Like at the very beginning or before COVID happened. Um, and- Hello. Sarah? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, sorry. Sometimes you cut out and I think you can always hear me and I'm all like, hello, hello. But <laughs> it's all good. Yes. So you contact and and then COVID happened and then you decided. We didn't know how things were going to be. And so we just decided to delay, delay, delay. And then I was like, honey, if we're going to do this, my kids need to be like less than four years apart. Um, at, at, you know, like as an arbitrary number, right? Yeah. Um but I was like, so we've got to get right on this. Um, and he's like, oh, okay. Well, now I have to decide if I want to. I was like, no, no, you already decided that. Um, and so I like contacted more people to be like, oh, will your <laughs> husband talk to my husband and like help him do research? Because we don't have friends or things that have three, just have two. And so like he felt like he needed more data because he's a data person. <laughs> um, so it was this big thing. And then... Like right at the beginning, I talked to Lisa McQueen and then I talked to Kate Kellogg. I was like, how do I do this now? Academics, all this. So there are many mama docs that kind of already know because I've talked to them. (laughs) That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. um, When are you due? Uh, Mid-December. Mid-December. So So that that makes you like 12 weeks or something? Yeah. Yeah. 13 or somewhere around there. Yeah. Clearly I'm an OBGYN. I know. I was like, wow. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think about this all the time. So anyway, that's amazing. So did you do your panorama or NIPT? I'm not going to ask you to reveal. No. um, So I, for the first two kids, we totally didn't because I was like, we're just going to love this baby. And then I told my husband that I had said that at my first appointment and he's like, Oh, well maybe we should for this baby. I'm like, really? (laughs) You know, um, like he wanted to do all the screening and I'm like, why? He's like, well, you're. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, by the time I deliver, I'll be AMA, but I'm not yet. Okay. So you did, so you didn't do it. I have, well, I have another appointment coming up, but we didn't do anything yet. Cause like at the first appointment, I didn't even think to ask him, like, do you want to do any screening? I don't even remember when it happens, but. Got it. So, I mean, sometimes it's just to get more information, right? Like I, know. I tell people you can, you know, of course you're going to love your baby. And some people like you don't want screening cause they're just going to love their baby. But um, sometimes it's nice to have information um, earlier rather than right. later that's all yeah so if he really wants me to do it I'll do it but okay yeah. anyway I'm being so nosy so I'm sorry <laughs> all good <laughs> so exciting and I say well I had had a boy and then a girl and so you're just having a tiebreaker exactly some people yeah. are always like oh you have a boy and a girl or a girl and a boy like why are you having a third baby I was like because I want a third baby like why Exactly. Well, why, no, I, why is that the only reason why you have another kid? Like to like have you know one of each or whatever. Right. Right. So no, it'll be it'll be 
like luckily so far I can get away with it at work with like a semi-loose scrub top, <laughs> but it's not, yeah. not for too much longer um, on a number three. So we'll see. Um, I have to tell work soonish. Um, chair transition and all this stuff. And I'm like, when do I feel like just be? And then when it is very evident, that's when you right. tell them. I was like, really? I feel like they want to plan, but they don't care. Like people have knee surgery and they're out for six weeks, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit more than knee surgery and hopefully <laughs> you'll take more than six weeks off, but. Oh yeah. No, I took 12 with the first two. I'm going to take another 12. Um, so I already started banking shifts, but this shift schedule doesn't know why. Right. You're like, where, what, why is Dr. Hawk not taking any shifts here? <laughs> <laughs> Just some extra shifts. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, so exciting. So yeah. exciting. Yay. Yeah. Do you, do you run okay when you're pregnant? Only time that I feel normal. Um, so I'll feel like crappy and I'll be like, I'm just going to go out for a run. And my husband's like, really? You feel crappy. And I'm like, I know I'm going to start feeling better. He's like, yeah. okay, whatever happens, as long as you do feel better, that's great. Aw. Um, yeah, so, maybe people just feel, maybe it just makes you feel normal, like running. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the thing that I do. I just run. That's good. That's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Amazing. And, you know, we wish you a beautiful, wonderful pregnancy and an easy delivery. I hope you just squat and push two times. And I know, right. The baby falls out of your body. That would be Um, lovely. Be lovely. Amazing. But thanks for hanging out with me for this hour. I know you're like, have so many things to do and you're getting behind on things, but I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much. No problem. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, there you have it, ladies. My conversation with Dr. Sarah Hawk. Congratulations, Sarah. We are thrilled beyond belief. We are so excited to uh, watch your belly grow and see, um, you know, your running journey during this. And we're so excited to support you. Um, I am thrilled you were able to tap into the brain trust of the Power Mama Docs and really use this as a resource to think about, you know, having another kid. And you know me, I'm always going to say have another baby. Um, But really, it's such an excited journey. And we wish you well. And for everyone else out there, I hope your run was good. I hope you're stretching. I hope you're thinking about doing your strength work and working on your glutes, maybe doing some squats, um, cool down and doing all the little things um, to keep us healthy and injury free. I am currently walking around in Central Park. So sorry for the intro and for the um, sort of cool down portion being a little bit um, fuzzy. Uh, I just wanted to get this out to you guys as soon as possible. And happy running, guys. Bye.